Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. are won by taking the fight to the enemy. America is not waiting for terrorists to try to strike us again. Wherever they hide, wherever they plot, we will strike the terrorists. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 28th of February, 2021, and I'm your host, Tony Reed. That intro was, of course, Operation Anaconda, the flight in, George Bush's speech. If you look in the background, you can see yours truly, a much younger version behind the president. Got to shake his hand that day. That was pretty cool. That's pretty high on the old list. That was November 2001, which seems like it was 20 years ago. Because it was. We're going to do a short segment up front for Operation Anaconda. Uh, Just kind of a 19-year look back. And then we're going to go into our regular podcast. Today's going to be hate, silencing, and some more policy. It's going to be a long show, but we're going to have fun on the way. It's going to be fun on the way because you just got to have fun. 
this stuff is so fucking depressing. It's hard not to fucking just scream out loud. I got a great segment before we start into our politics today from the Great Gutfeld Show. And it was just supposed to be a joke, but the sad thing is it's super, super true, which is crazy. So, um, I think up front what we're going to do is do some of the combat cameras. You're going to see... Uh, some bomb runs and uh, other things like that. That This was a guy handed to me at 11 o'clock the night before the mission. Uh, the new mission was originally supposed to go February 28, 2001. It got canceled, and then this colonel shows up and tells me, I have to take this guy, his combat camera, the orders come from Rumsfeld himself, blah, 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 and I have to get this guy and take him in. He doesn't have ammo, he doesn't have anything, and... I give him ammo, he sleeps next to me, we get on the plane, and then after action's on the objective, he gets pulled off and goes with the Sar Major, and they extract him. Well, most of the film of the shooting and shit just didn't make anything. Either he wasn't filming or it was edited out. But you'll see a little bit of actual actions on the objective on a uh, takedown of a compound when we flew into the valley. Um, you will see a slideshow when we come back on the other side. Uh, I will be small. The slideshow will be big. You'll see pictures. You'll see the actual graphics from the mission. Um, it was a big deal at the time. For me, it's the biggest mission I did uh, for Anna, or Afghanistan because it was the fall. It was the ending of what we thought was the war. And that turned out to be false. So here's some more combat camera. coming from the HLZ one over Roger killer space five Raider six we're taking a small On this side of here? They come from behind us right here then, right? First platoon, 
it's coming from anywhere on this side back here. Right. Fucking, right. if we see something over there, fucking just get in position, fucking keep an eye on it, and like, we'll call it back to see if we can. See that finger in the trail? Yeah. Go right back up there, get the rocks coming. Watch your back, hey, come on, camera. <laughs> Everybody face forward, man. If it fucking moves, if hey, it shoots, you fucking win. So if you heard in the background there, you hear yours truly say, whack it. I don't know why I said that. That's pretty cheesy. Uh, sometimes when you see this stuff, it's it's like, wow, why did I do that? That was the donkey that was in our compound, by the way. We saved a wolf and uh, what was a husky wolf hybrid. And that's from the pictures from our battle position. We had BP Betty. That's the uh, chain of command of Charlie Company. There's the sand model they made of this and this is the actual compound so that stuff we destroyed after we took it this is the inside of it of course uh, this is where those guys were when we came in and then they bailed and we shot and killed them so this is how they lived over there it's pretty freaking sad if you think about it this little valley in the middle of nowhere but these guys were all about that's the dog we saved um he liked me that day. He never liked me again. These are pictures from day 13 or day 11 of the operation. We came back and we occupied this. And then the, we left on the 13th day. That's a picture from the battle position that we were fighting. Because this is where the bad guys were. It's a rock I made for my wife. I guess some of these are self-explanatory. But anyway, this is our battle position. The uh, CP was behind these rocks. We were up in the mountains blocking anything coming up. The far hill way back there, that is Roberts Ridge, which is most of you know because that's what they talked about. That's where the SEALs went in, or Task Force 21, and then the Rangers went in. That's their helicopter that crashed. Um, but let's let these flip for a second. Those That's bomb runs on the whale. That's people coming in way later than us because we went on day one. That's more of Shirkunkeel, which was the village that was in there. It ended up getting leveled. Um, to understand the concept, six helicopters went in, spread across this valley. Tenth Mountain was at the south end of the valley. They landed on bunkers. This is the machine guns that were in the entranceway. If you read the book, Not a Good Day to Die, they took those out, thank God, or else yours truly probably wouldn't be here because they had them on the approach where we flew in. 
And had they not called bombs on it, we probably would have got fucked up. But long story short, 10th Mountain's at the south. We're at the north. 10th Mountain lands on a bunker complex. Takes a lot of casualties. They get extracted. We stay. We get told to pull out. Then we come back in. And we reoccupy with more forces. And then we f- they flush through everybody else to bring in the uh, Northern Alliance. They pretend they take it. <clears throat> and that's the whole operation. 13 days. Osama Bin Laden wasn't there, but whoever was on top of Roberts Ridge was important, and they got away, pretty much, from what Intel says. But some of these shots are pretty cool. This is a <clears throat> conglomerate of a lot of people taking photos during the mission. This is a pre-brief. We did the singing and crap. Somebody took those photos. I don't know who they did, but they ended up in my file I got. That's the photo that was all over the news. I don't even know who those dudes are. I think they're headquarters people. But the the big downfall of this mission is the fact that the AC-130, that's my platoon when we came out. That's all, when we landed back in Bagram. That's the diagram showing what everybody was going to do. But an AC-130 ends up blowing up the friendlies. And that's how the mission started. They thought they were friendly. So that's me. Uh, not a good picture. I wish I could pause it. But that's literally a Beaverton, Oregon bag. I guess I should have made these slides go a lot shorter, but or a lot longer. They're going kind of fast. But we literally found a bag from a Beaverton, Oregon Nike store in the valley. And, yeah, we took it out. It's in the Fort Campbell Museum right now. Some of those pictures were taken by some camera guy who took pictures of me. And I don't know why he did. And the funny story about it, there's a picture at the ending of the show of me climbing on a C-17. My buddy, who doesn't watch the show, but he, he lives down in Georgia, he was stationed in this Army headquarters. I think it was 3rd Army, I don't, I, 5th Army, one of them. It's in Georgia. Long story short, he walks through a hallway and sees my ugly mug on the wall. And I guess there was a series of photos taken from the War on Terror. And this photo, not because it's me, because I'm nobody, but this photo literally ended up being part of that series. And they blew it up and they put it down this wall. And he saw it and he sent it to me. And I was working at U.S. Calvary at the time. And, man, it was just funny. It was incredibly funny that I was on somebody's wall because I didn't even know that photo was taken. I didn't know that one photo of me looking like I'm half asleep because I haven't slept in days. I didn't know that was taken. I don't even remember a camera guy, but I guess he came in with us on our C-17 and he was taking a bunch of pictures. And somehow my picture got taken. But anyway, enough of the going back through it. Neat thing, not that important in the scheme of things. At the time, it was LZ X-Ray. And then at the, uh, at the end of it, you know, when we get back six months later, you got a rack and you have bigger firefights. Wasn't a big deal, but when the war on terror was going on and we weren't attacking Iraq, this was a big deal. This was a big fight. Supposedly, a bunch of guys died. I didn't see a lot of bodies, but the estimates 150 people we killed. It was a clusterfuck. Really read the book. The book isn't the beginnings about my platoon, the prologue, but when you really go through it, it shows you. Why the war on terror were so fucking disorganized. Because everybody wanted to stick their dick in the Kool-Aid. And this mission is a microcosm of what pretty much went on for a long time. 
and probably why we're still there 20 years later. Everybody wants to be a hero. And so everybody wanted to be part of this mission, and then nobody talked to each other. While Roberts Ridge was going down, I was less than three kilometers from him on a map. You know, walking would take us fucking forever because it's straight up a mountain. But we were right next to him. We didn't even know what was going on. The helicopter that got hit and they went down the valley and then they landed and they come back. If you know anything about Roberts Ridge, it's been reported at nauseum. There's books, all sorts of shit. They almost landed on us. And they thought we were enemy and they were calling in AC-130s until somebody said, no, those are friendlies. Because the Rangers and the SEALs are doing their own thing and they didn't even talk to us and we didn't talk to them. It, it was just a mess, but anyway. To uh, some other stuff, here is Dana Kay, and this is a sad thing. She ended up dying years later. She flew in on this AC, or the C-17 with us, and I ended up having to guard her, even when she took a dump. It was so embarrassing for her, because there's, you know, there's nothing there. We were shitting on buckets and stuff. Um, but she ended up getting brain cancer years later. And she ended up dying. And last time I met her, she didn't even know who I was. But she went back, and after these stories she does, she interviews my family. So I'll just do them back-to-back. Here's a segment that was on the local, Channel 5, of my company in the perimeter of the initial occupation of Kandahar Airfield. And then an interview after Operation Anaconda with my family. And no, I did not get the Medal of Honor, but that's what she said, which is really weird. The first media to officially be embedded with the 187 Rakasan's Charlie Company. That means for the next 24 hours, we'll be eating, sleeping, and working along beside the brave Fort Campbell soldiers who are guarding one of the most dangerous places here at the base, the west perimeter of Camp Kandahar. It's a nightly routine. We get up in the middle of the night and check in the perimeter, make sure all the soldiers are alert. It's 2 o'clock in the morning at Camp Kandahar. We're following the captain and first sergeant of Charlie Company as they check in with their troops guarding the perimeter at the base. You guys doing all right? No problems, no issues tonight. First sergeant, how are you guys doing? Soldiers stand guard all night long in foxholes and bunkers. First platoon is strong from where we were staying all the way across the roofs, and they have positions also downstairs. There is still a very real threat here. Heard, seen and heard firefights around, but uh, like me personally, I haven't really seen much like real close. Haven't really uh, fired any shots or nothing like that yet. Wednesday, snipers reported three different incidents of suspicious people running near the perimeter. Some of the guys out here, you know, they're just anxious for something to happen. And, and troops from 187 Rakasans are proud to be a part of this war on terrorism. It's a sense of pride, you know, to be out here. Yeah, you got like a dance club over here, Dave. It's like being in Korean, listening to Korean radio and watching Korean TV, just to listen to the other cultures. Soldiers have set up fighting positions and living quarters inside old mud huts. We've we've already joked a little bit about trying to find anything in English on the radio. So. A makeshift fireplace and glow sticks make the inside livable. It's like a movie, you know. It's like some bad some bad movie. It's just third world. It's it's surreal, honestly, to to see it because it takes a little while to realize that you're actually not 
a few blocks away from your house. With good luck charms for my wife, my son, and my daughter. Some troops brought good luck charms with them to this strange place. My daughter gave me this, and she says, whenever you're away, you can always point it home. It's a little compass. Even in relaxed moments like these, the thought of the war is never far away. Getting ready. So, hopefully for, for nothing, but getting ready nonetheless. On this cold and wet night in January 2002, we have literally been on the front lines of America's war on terrorism. And after spending a few days with the Fort Campbell soldiers, I can tell you they're doing their best to fight this war for all of you back home. In Kandahar, I'm Dana Kay, News Channel 5. Freedom itself was attacked this morning by a faceless coward. We have 4,763 people on the missing persons list. Our military at home and around the world is on high alert status. I got two words I want to say to you. Air assault. Go. Let's go! The best of the best. The hardest trained. When we send our sons and daughters into this kind of war, there'll be great casualties. Let's go to the storm! Every one of you is dedicated to something greater than yourself. You put your country ahead of your comfort. Once again, you have a rendezvous with destiny. The 101st Airborne's rendezvous with destiny was all but assured by the attacks on America September 11th. The soldiers knew it was only a matter of time. They trained harder, wrote out their wills, and waited for the call. On January 19, 2002, the Screaming Eagles of Fort Campbell got the call to fight in the war on terrorism. This is their story. Our president says that we're going to restore freedom to America's children. The Screaming Eagles of Fort Campbell are going to war. When I first heard, I was really scared and went out and told my wife, and she got scared, started crying. But, oh well, go do my job. Bring yourself and your battle buddy home. That's an order. You can't trust anybody else, you got to trust him, because he'll save your life or you'll save his. You make a great contribution to our country by this mission, which you're about to accomplish by restoring freedom to this nation. Yep, I'm ready. I've been ready for a long time. We know you're going to do a great job. We got utmost confidence in you. We're proud of what you're going to go do. Soldiers got their last pep talk at Fort Campbell Airfield before they boarded the plane for the long flight to Kandahar, Afghanistan. Air assault. Move around and wish you all good luck. Lower tip of Manhattan, you see the bright white light? That is ground zero. Mid-flight, a moment none of these soldiers will ever forget. Their last view of the United States of America, the pilot flew low over New York City and circled around ground zero. Looks like as good a view as we could get, folks. Uh, hope it means as much to you as uh, it certainly does to us, too. That big hole in the ground. I mean, from as high up as we are, we can see a huge hole in the ground. Just unbelievable. 
Well, it makes me want to go over and do my job a lot more, like uh, find the Al-Qaeda. ...will soon return home safely. Sergeant Anthony Koch is a member of the 187 Rakasans. News Channel 5's Dana Kay met him on her assignment to Afghanistan. Today, she talked to his family, who is eagerly awaiting the day when they can welcome home their war hero. This picture right here was the first day um, of Anaconda. Gigi Koch knows why Memorial Day is important. Her husband, Sergeant Anthony Koch, is in Afghanistan fighting the war on terrorism. I'd like to say hello to my family in Woodlawn, Tennessee. To my beautiful Sergeant Koch was one of the Fort Campbell soldiers we traveled to Afghanistan with in January. My daughter gave me this, and she says, whenever you're away, you can always point it home. He showed us the good luck charms he carries with him from his family. Back home, 14-year-old Brittany and 12-year-old Zachary miss their dad. I always wake up thinking, you know, is he okay? And when will I get his next letter? And it's kind of scary because one day you could wake up and not even know that he's gone until, you know, someone comes to your house in the middle of the night. Take it off the hook. The Cokes wait for any word by phone or mail. Had no clue that when we landed, we did it next to 700 bad guys. We got lucky. Fight is moving south. Hope you are not too worried. Sergeant Koch's company was one of the first to come into close contact with al-Qaeda terrorists during Operation Anaconda. Jumped off the bird and it was cold. Um, first thing I saw was a mule running and I felt the altitude, 8,500 feet. His letters home about the mission tell how he and his soldiers survived six days of intense combat. Something about, I am thinking I will die, wish I could tell you I am okay. I prayed, prayed every day that you will not worry or be scared. I hope you don't see the news reports. They treasure his bronze star and medal for valor. But all this family really cares about is having Dad back home as soon as possible. What do you hope to hear next? That he's coming home. Yep. <laughs> that he's coming home. It would be nice. God, that's a long time ago. My wife's pretty hot, though. She's still hot. She's always been hot. I changed this to... Uh, uh, manual. That's the book. If you ever want to read, great book. If you're a military person, that's the bag. And I don't know if I can adjust this because this is pretty cool. There it is. That is literally from Beaverton, Oregon. And the guys that we saw, um, almost all of them had California, uh, West Coast. ID cards. I mean, they all did. It's almost astounding that at that time when I went over there, you know, sure, I didn't really think um, that the war on terror was all that, you know, these guys are coming to get you. Remember, I was more liberal. And then you go over there and you realize, oh, fuck yeah, these motherfuckers are Pakistanis, they've been in America, they had gone to college... I mean, these were bad dudes, and they really wanted to fuck you up. This was our perimeter uh, headquarters, and so you could see that that literally is where over here, and it's not a very good photo. Um, that was the only shelter we had, and you know, hole in the roof, but it got got the wind off you. And my boys had tents, 
Um, we got a tent for them and stole the heater and shit. But anyway, interesting look back. Like I said, next year we're going to do a full-blown, uh, try to get some interviews, zoom in some motherfuckers, because, you know, 20 years, that's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, you're hearing my real name. I really don't care. I go with the stage name. Uh, that was really because I, I didn't want to get canceled. If somebody found out I was doing a podcast, they didn't like what I was saying. Um, you know, I'd lose my fucking job and now I'm unemployed, so it doesn't really fucking matter. Um, but I go with Tony Reed because Tony Reed's my mom's maiden name, maiden name. And I, uh, you know, once again, don't really want to walk down the street. People know who the fuck I am because that's the world we live in. You can't have an opinion anymore. So we're going to end on a documentary that I've edited down to four minutes. Pretty interesting. Uh, For those that tune in just for politics, well, you can just fast forward. It's not that much. It was 30 minutes, 35 minutes, so it wasn't that long. And uh, we'll come into our hate bump on the other side of it and start hate. Because in our politics, you know, there was a funny statement said the other day that Uh, The Trump supporters talk like terrorists. And the only similar to Islamists is that they're talking about norms. If you're a conservative right now, you're talking about a lot of norms. Like religion and freedom of speech. So yeah, if we're terrorists because we talk about those things, oh so sorry. Unlike Islamists, we're not asking you to be what we are. The reality is, you're like the mullahs, and right now, you sound fucking extreme. From what appeared to be dug in Al-Qaeda positions, in the mountains, and in a small training camp that they had had towards the north towards Pressler's locations. We took fire from a ridgeline and a compound, and the decision was pretty easy. Go down to the compound, take the compound. So immediately we, we sent a squad down there to assault that and secure it. So now in this room, we recovered approximately uh, 10 AK-47s out of here, about 40 magazines. They found that the fighters, as soon as the bomb started dropping, had done some ritual shaving of their beards or something and had uh, grabbed their weapons and left and, and gone up high. There were teapots that were still hot, embers and coals that were still hot. They were left over from their fires, and they left a whole bunch of other things like bomb-making materials and manuals and mortar tubes and everything else in that little camp. So we definitely surprised them, and there were definitely no families there at all. I think it was a surprise for everyone involved. The tenacity and the ability of the enemy to stay and hold and to fight as aggressively as he did. I remember Colonel Wozinski said, don't get drawn into a firefight and get bogged down and get sucked into a fight that that you don't need to get sucked into, either in the town or en route to your blocking position. Get up in the blocking position, get the high ground, get set, 
and and Zia is going to come in, and all these other forces are going to come sweeping in the valley. We we stayed on mission, other than the initial contact, but I, I think we had to do that just to get off the LZ so we can get into the positions we needed to occupy. I'm afraid. Taking heavy fire was Lieutenant Colonel Paul Camera and 187th Infantry uh, down towards the south in, in a blocking position that we called Ginger and Heather. He was taking an inordinate amount of fire as compared to the others and appeared it was extremely accurate fire at that point in time. We started to get the battle damage assessments and it seemed that we were getting reports in upwards of, of 500. In the end, how much was Al-Qaeda, how much was former Taliban, how much was uh, other factions that, that were out there? Frankly, I'm not sure we'll ever know. Everybody, the Army, the Air Force, the Special Forces, the Navy, the Marines, who I give a lot of credit for turning the Bonhomme Richard around and, and getting back into the fight when they thought they were done. Um, Everybody was in a reaction to what I consider uh, a bad intel plan. That's one. Did the best we could with what we had, and given the level of time that we had, at first it was conventional special forces with Task Force Dagger had the mission and then brought in some Rakasan, uh, who then uh, asked for help from you know, 10th Mountain. It was a pickup game. It wasn't elegant, but at the... Later today, an Alabama lawmaker will introduce a bill to punish protesters that are deemed rioters with very harsh penalties, like being barred from public office. It is one of many anti-protest bills we are seeing after last year's racial justice movement. Supporters say it will prevent violence, but civil rights groups say it could chill free speech and target people of color. Take a look at the provisions in this bill, including if you get arrested during a protest, you can be held for 24 hours without bail. And if you block an interstate, it will be considered a felony. Opponents say that there is a consistent miscasting of protesters as agitators. All across the country, though, this is happening. Spoke to folks at the ACLU, and they tell me that there are at least 60 bills. They've never seen anything like it, 60 similar bills in at least 26 different states that they are tracking them very closely. They call them un-American, unconstitutional, and unnecessary. If anti-protest bills like this get passed, what does that mean to peaceful protesters? Well, what we have to remember is that 93% of the protests from this past summer were deemed peaceful and without incident. And much of the 7% were actually caused uh, by white supremacists and people who were using the cover of these nonviolent protests in order to cause chaos and damage and have uh, black protesters across the country cast exactly as we are. So what this will mean is a doubling down on the punishment 
punishment of audacious black people, audacious indigenous people, and folks who stand up for right across the country. We have to be very clear that this is an insidious attempt to punish black people to live freely and to make it illegal to change the institutions that continue to kill us. What happened last summer is mostly peaceful protesters who were... I recently talked to Alicia Garza, co-founder of the Black Lives Matter movement, Ibram Kendi, professor on, on race in America, also author of 400 Souls, and unique Jones Gibson, founder of Because of Them We Can, who Chanel, I know you recently spoke with. All three are thought leaders and change makers, each in their own way. And I wanted to get their take on where we are right now and where we're headed. Athletes taking a stand on the courts to the fields and racetracks. Confederate symbols coming down. And companies making policy changes all in a year of change and a historic first in politics. This historic nomination and victory meant for black communities across this nation was that we can see ourselves reflected in the halls of power. We are literally transforming this government. Where are we right now in our country? How, how would you characterize this, this moment in which we find ourselves? So I, I think we're in a moment when there has been an incredible amount of progress barriers and forms of exclusion have been broken down. There's no doubt that there is now a mandate for change. And now we're moving into a phase where we've got to start figuring out how do we legislate that change. What last year did for us is it made it very apparent that we are not okay. I, I, I cut that short because there's just... Fuck you people. Alright? And before we get into it, because this could all go into Liz Cheney. I'm going to play a Liz Cheney soundbite after we go over some stats here. And, uh, Somebody got smart and learn how to use the fucking OBS. And, and you know, this is going back over what this media with misinformation has pushed on people that they think thousands of African Americans are getting killed. I mean, look at liberals. We talk all the time in our mainstream media how Republicans are misinformed, that uh, we do studies that, oh, hey, uh, the, there's a, uh, there's proof that um, conservatives I take my blood pressure pill before I start this shit. The conservatives are probably going to get COVID and die because of misinformation. Yet every time we go into things and actually break it down, we find... Oh, there's one thing I forgot to show. In that video, I didn't show it because I was too embarrassed. This is my troll. I've had this troll since 2000. My kids gave it to me. And I carried with me everywhere. I drove with this in U.S. Cav. We have time today. I found a U.S. Cav video. It was pretty cool. Because when I was digging up all this old army shit, I found videos. But this guy was in my pocket, too. He went everywhere. And if you look, he's been over here for like ever, stuck on the wall. Well, I, don't want him, I don't want him to show off his nutty buddy. So let me uh, hook him in right. There we go. 
And oh, by the way, there's a new truck over here. I don't know if you can see it. My sister, sweetheart, just sent me a uh, old truck because I said she said you, we were talking, and the one thing I don't have is an old truck. Um, so I put it on the wall. So yeah, little things. Let's get back on point. So we're back on point, and um, the misinformation has permeated the left. The left believes the most... MSNBC right now, I won't even play it. Don't blame Biden for virus problems. It's all Trump's fault. Trump. And and the only, only thing I can say is that it's that projection. They want to play off the effect of the Fifteen dollar an hour, and not put out any truth on it. And and we're doing the Equality Act today. They don't really talk about how that destroys religious freedoms. Because why would we talk about that? It's always half truths, always half truths, just always. While while we're doing all this, White House waves ethics rule for first Biden official. Ethics. We don't have to have ethics now. We, we we just don't give a fuck. And while we're making fun of President Biden, and, and let me play this really quick. This is, uh, we're, we're only a month in. I could play an hour of this. If Donald Trump has his way, the complications from COVID-19, which are well beyond what they should be. It's estimated that 200 million people have died, probably by the time I finish this talk. (laughs) Just since the outbreak, it's taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives. It's just, it's, I mean, you think about it. Because we cannot get reelect. We cannot win this reelection. Excuse me. We can only reelect Donald Trump. You're an idiot. Well, folks, I eliminate one tax loophole out of a trillion six hundred billion worth, a trillion four hundred billion, out of a billion four hundred million, excuse me, a trillion four hundred billion dollars. It's hard to even say it so much. And by the way, it's cost a lot of money. It cost about seven hundred forty million billion dollars over ten years. I want a gajillion bajillion dollars. (laughs) Because, folks. It's my coach used to say it's go-to time. It's go time now. What are you talking about? Well, I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Nobody knows what you're talking about. Uh, I think he's getting on a plane. He told me last, he came in to see me last event. And representatives, uh, Shirley Jackson Lee, Al Green, Sylvia Garcia, Lizzie Pinelli, Excuse me, Pinnell, and uh, what am I doing here? I'm going to lose track here. And uh, uh, Mayor Turner, Judge Hidalgo, uh, thank you all for welcoming us. And Jill and I wanted to visit Texas today for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, it's everywhere now. The dude's unintelligible. There's even this. Dozens of House Dems call on Biden to relinquish sole authority for nuclear launch codes. Maria Shriver, 
No president has assumed office as clear focus as Alzheimer's disease as Joe Biden. That's because the motherfucker probably has it. He probably has it. I mean, are you guys fucking for real? He doesn't look healthy. He doesn't look healthy. There's, there's something wrong with him. And I'm not going to play CPAC today. But going in line with this this slide of what they see and believe, TMZ and Snopes are both on the case of the Nazi-inspired CPAC stage. CPAC design looks similar to Nazi symbol used by SS. Alyssa Milano. This is the stage of CPAC. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. This is what happens in your building, Ted Cruz. You stood on the stage. It looks like the Nazi symbol. And they take a, a picture of Nazis. And put it up. You really have a Nazi problem on the left. It goes with this level of stupid that we're about to do after I play the Liz Cheney soundbite. But you have a problem. You know so much about Nazis. I mean, I've never seen a group of individuals know so much about Nazis. You know everything about Nazis. You know fucking about dogs and shit. I mean, fuck! I don't know anything about Nazis. And I'm supposed to be a Nazi. Remember, I'm a white supremacist Nazi. By default, because I'm white. So, we have the Liz Cheney shit. I'll just read a title of an article. Liz Cheney must explain why she thinks the GOP is a white supremacist party. Tucker Carlson denies white supremacists attacked the Capitol. Denying what we see in here. Could it be that himself is a white supremacist? They all love him. Retweet if you believe Tucker is a bigot. And they're putting Spencer, Richard Spencer, in on it. That was an out of order article. But it goes line in line. You got Liz Cheney who principal conservatives think she's awesome. The media thinks she's awesome. But this is what she's saying about the GOP. When you think of an authoritarian leader, you picture some power-mad autocrat working feverishly to defend his own regime. You think of Nikolai Ceausescu pacing his study, plotting diabolical new ways to smash the latest peasant revolt. And that's right, but it's not the full picture. Reality is more complicated than that. Fascism is a style of government, but it's also a form of religion. So the goal isn't simply to make you obey. The goal is to convert you. Before he executed his political rivals, Stalin forced victims to profess their love for him and for the Soviet state. He staged a kind of religious ritual. Stalin claimed to be an atheist, but he was in fact closer to a kind of secular Ayatollah. Why are we telling you this? Because you're seeing the same impulses at work now here in this country. It wasn't enough for Democrats to win control of the entire federal government in November. They got the power they wanted, but it did not satisfy them. They barely paused to celebrate. In fact, they seemed angrier. Why? Here's why. Because there were still Americans out there who disagreed with them. And thinking about that made it hard for them to sleep. It agitated them. And the numbers show it. 
According to one new survey, the single most pressing issue for Democratic voters right now is the existence of Trump voters. Not inflation, not drug ODs, not the teetering national economy, not even global warming. It's people who don't share their views. Democrats believe they're the real threat. It's amazing how disconnected from reality this is. There aren't that many Americans left who dare to disobey the emerging techno state. The few who remain have never had less power than they have now. At this point, the pockets of resistance to corporate conformity are scattered and diffuse. There are gun shop owners and commercial fishermen at sea, a few free-thinking families living in outer suburbs 30 miles from the city, three guys on a smoke break behind a transmission shop in Bangor, a non-compliant waitress in Brooklyn. In other words, the least powerful people in our society. You don't see people like that on television very often, but they do exist and Democrats know they exist. So they won't rest until every last one of them, every last apostate has embraced the one true faith by force if necessary. Democrats definitely want new laws, but more than that, they want their catechism repeated back to them by the entire population. And that's why they spend so much energy, a stunning amount of energy, if you think about it, trying to police speech. They care what you think even more than they care about what you do. They need you to agree with them. So they force you to mouth their slogans. Diversity is our strength. Climate change is an existential threat. The riot at the Capitol was a white supremacist insurrection. The more absurd the claim is, the more hysterically they demand that you repeat it. At the moment, Democrats are completely fixated on forcing you to agree that yes, January 6th was a racist event. And it's been fascinating to see who in America complies with this demand to say that out loud. In a speech this week, Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney of Wyoming decided to obey. Here she is talking about the riot at the Capitol. Watch. It's very important for us to ignore the temptation to look away. Um, and, and it's very important, especially for us as Republicans, um, to make clear that um, we, we aren't the party of, um, of white supremacy. Oh, so it's very important, she says, to make it clear that as Republicans, we are not the party of white supremacy. Okay, but who claims otherwise? Who's saying the Republican Party is the party of white supremacy? It's the corporate party, sure. It's the embarrassing party, often. It's the stupid party, definitely. But the white supremacy party? Only Democrats and their propagandists in the media say that. And now Liz Cheney. Because some guy brought a Confederate flag to a rally. It's strange. When Jeffrey Epstein got arrested, you didn't see Adam Schiff giving defensive sounding speeches about how we've really got to make absolutely certain no one thinks we're the party of child molesters. <laughs> right. Schiff, Schiff never even considered giving that speech. No Democrat did. Democrats don't reflexively parrot the slurs of their enemies. They don't hate themselves. They're not morons. Liz Cheney isn't a moron. She's smart. Her self-regard seems fully intact, too, so it's not like she hates herself. More likely, Liz Cheney just knows what she needs to say in order to get what she wants. What Liz Cheney wants is an expanded American military presence around the world. More wars in the Middle East. Cheney is sincere about this. It's not a pose. She is a genuine, old-fashioned neocon, an ideologue who means every word she says about killing people in faraway places. She's not kidding. In order to get those new wars, Cheney can't stray too far from the rest of the war lobby in Washington. She's long been close to Bill Kristol. She made certain to smirk at Donald Trump when he said, pull the troops out of Afghanistan. 
This summer, Cheney was quick to denounce the, quote, horrific murder of George Floyd long before anyone could really say whether it was a horrific murder or a fentanyl OD. But Liz Cheney didn't wait for the facts to emerge. She dutifully read the script, and she's still reading the script. Here's Liz Cheney suggesting that any news organization that aired questions about election fraud, presumably including this channel, bears moral responsibility for the Capitol riot of January 6th. And that's why, Liz Cheney says, we're going to need a, quote, 9-11 style commission to get to the bottom of it all. Because really, people, January 6th was a lot like 9-11. Thousands dead. I think that, you know, uh, any media organization that was perpetuating the notion continues to perpetuate the notion that the, the election was fraudulent or was stolen um, is contributing to a very dangerous set of circumstances. Um, and uh, and I think we pe the American people need to know the truth about what happened. Oh, the American people need to know the truth about what happened. Well, yes, they do. We agree with that completely. Thanks to silly propaganda like the clips we just played, there is some confusion about who exactly was at the Capitol on January 6th. Was it really a gang of white supremacists? We've heard that a lot, so we looked into it. We went through the list compiled by the Department of Justice of the 199 people arrested for breaching the Capitol grounds that day. Then we looked them up. How many of them were open racists? By our count, five of them. Five people out of 199 people arrested. Racism is bad. More than any show on television, we make that point endlessly. We oppose hurting people on the basis of their race, no matter who is doing it, no matter how they are justifying it. So again, we are always against racism. But five people out of 199 arrested? How is that a white supremacist insurrection? If it is, then we have other questions, such as how many black supremacists are there at your average BLM riot? Now, we don't know the answer to that because no journalist would ever ask that question. The media are happy instead to take BLM purely at face value. We're here because we're mad about police brutality, says BLM. Okay, say the reporters, furiously transcribing. Did anyone ask the people at the Capitol on January 6th why they were there? No one we have seen in the countless videos of that day was yelling about an ethno state or trying to harm people because of their skin color or even complaining about affirmative action. Why? Because the rally wasn't about race at all, and neither was the riot. It was about the election. The people at the Capitol really believed the presidential election was unfair. And they had reason to believe that, and not because of any nonsense about rigged voting machines. Silicon Valley really did weight the scales in this election in an unprecedented and completely immoral way. That is true. Big tech attacked our democracy much more effectively than any foreign power ever has. Social media platforms censored criticism of Joe Biden and promoted criticism of Donald Trump. In the final weeks of the campaign, Google sabotaged the Republican campaign's fundraising and get out the vote efforts by throttling reminders and solicitations on their way to the Gmail accounts of Trump supporters. That actually happened and many more things like it. So it wasn't entirely the protesters imagination. Here's the question. Has Liz Cheney or any other Republican done anything about that? They're outraged by the riot. So were we. But do they actually care why it happened? Is there a, quote, 9-11 style commission on the way that's going to uncover the full extent of Google and Twitter and Facebook's crimes against our democracy and finally hold them all accountable? We haven't heard of that 9-11 style commission. Instead, we've heard Liz Cheney and countless other members of Congress talk about the people at the Capitol like they're Al Qaeda and should be droned. You know, I, I consider Liz a friend um, and I stood 
on the floor with the conference defending her right to defend herself in taking what she described was a vote of conscience. Um, I believe that's important. And so I did so. Yesterday, Liz forfeited her right to be chair of the, the Republican conference. You cannot stand up and make a statement that is so completely out of step with the Republican conference and where the American people who support President Trump are. Now, so I, I, I'm trying to set this up and understand why I'm doing it. This is why. This is a new poll on what voters believe. And I'm small. It's big. There's a reason. This is what the GOP is concerned about. I'm not going to go in depth. Legal immigration, lack of support of police, higher taxes. It's normal shit, right? So as principal conservatives who spent their whole time hating Trump and Trump supporter or Trump supporters, the media, everybody, and as we see, people believe that thousands of blacks are being murdered in the street, and it's all fucking lie, and everything's a lie. Trump is the fucking virus, but he's not. Trump didn't have a policy for vaccines, but the motherfucker saying it got a vaccine in November. That's Biden. This is what the left is concerned about. Oh, sorry. There it is. Donald Trump supporters, 82% with the partially 92% of Democrats don't fear inflation uh, foreign problems, the economy, not even the crazy shit they're talking about that we're all going to die in 10 days because of climate change, uh, the police brutality, fuck, none of that shit. Trump supporters, white nationalism that we've talked about on the show, maybe 10,000 motherfucking people in the world are white nationalists. But yeah, we need to worry about that shit. It's so important. Let me try to stretch. I guess I can't stretch it out anymore. Systemic racism. Uh, that's uh, 93%. Gun violence, 76% plus 17 partial. American lack of health coverage. Domestic terrorism, 94%. They didn't care about that when Black Lives Matter was destroying shit, beating people up. No, that, that shit didn't matter. We didn't give a fuck about... I got the worst fucking lighter in the world, so give me a second. I got the fucking peel. There we go. Um, when BLM was doing tableside services and treating people like garbage... Oh, we didn't worry about that. One riot with 600, you know, 200 people storming a building. Yeah, now we're worried. Police brutality. That's a proven lie. Nope. That's, uh, what is that? That's 90%. Discrimination against gay Americans. 59% plus 27. What discrimination? This whole Equality Act's discrimination against religious people. There's already laws that say you can't fire a motherfucker because he's gay. What they're twisting is that I say the uniform is this and they want to dress as a fruitcake because they have gender dysphoria and they don't keep the job because they won't come to work in a suit 
because they're a guy. But it's a dress code. It isn't. They weren't fired because they're tranny. They were fired because they weren't adhere to the dress code. But we're gonna twist that shit. Sexism. That is a fucking eighty-seven percent problem. But you're the same motherfuckers that say there is no gender. Gender is a social construct. So what are you worried about? Voter suppression. That's way down because they know that with their mail-in HR1, they'll never lose an election again. Student debt and capitalism. None of that is the shit we hear. Their number one priority is fearing you. And why do they? Well, this it's the media. It's the media. Look at look at the numbers. Black people aren't that worried about them. White people are. Hispanics are because all the time you lied about all Mexicans are murderers and rapists. Kids in cages, something you just don't say anymore. I won't read it out. It's insulting. You can read it. Look at those fucking numbers. It's all white people. Fucking white liberals. And white liberals dictate everything the left does. It's it's disgusting. It's outright disgusting. If you look at these numbers, that is fucking unbelievable. And it came from one fucking area. Our media has for so long been dogging fucking Trumpers and conservatives and saying we have such a problem with white supremacists that people believe it. They all believe it. It's not true, but they believe it. So much so, just... I'm just going to go into it. Here's Ben Shapiro. He says everything I've ever said about the issue of transgenderism, but he says it in a very professional way, whereas I just say it's all fucking bullshit, it's a scheme, it's crap, it's 1% of the fucking country. 0.7% of the country! But we just want to do a gigantic law that infringes on everybody. But it's worse than that. And not one time did you hear this, what was actually in the bill. It's just like the COVID relief bill. You didn't hear any of these things in our media. The Equality Act and the transgender propaganda that is now being put forth, you are just expected to buy into the overt lie that men and women are exactly the same in every way and that men and women are terms of art and that subjective self-assessment as your own sex actually matters more than, you know, actual biological reality. We'll get to all that in just a second because what we are living through is uh, something that is completely upside down. It's bizarre. It's upside down. It's ridiculous. Even the very notion that the people who are being imposed upon here are members of the trans community, as opposed to, you know, religious institutions, everyday Americans who would like to operate their businesses as they see fit. All of this is completely upside down. We're going to get to that. House has voted to pass the Equality Act. Okay, the Equality Act is one of the most egregiously misnamed Orwellian acts in modern American history. It is not about equality. It is about imposition on Americans of a standard that is unreasonable. 
is about ensuring that religious Americans are not allowed to practice their religion. It is about ensuring that non-religious Americans who believe in a differentiation between men and women are completely silenced under American law. That is what Equality Act is about. The way it is proposed, of course, is as an anti-discrimination law. Now, there are already anti-discrimination laws that exist on the basis of sexual orientation and sex. This would add gender identity and gender orientation and a wide variety of, of other pregnancy. It would add all of these to the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And that all sounds fine because, of course, nobody wants people unduly discriminated against. When I say unduly, I mean it is not discrimination to tell a man that he should be using a man's bathroom. That's not undue discrimination. Right? That is discriminating in the sense that I discriminate every time I go out to dinner as to what I would like to eat. Okay? Active discrimination would be saying that a black person cannot go into a white person bathroom. Okay? That is active discrimination. Saying that a man should go to a man's bathroom and should not go into a woman's bathroom, that's not discrimination. That's called being reasonable. In fact, it was precisely this objection that originally sunk the proposed constitutional amendment, right? The ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment. There are people on the right who said this is going to lead directly to the end of men's and women's bathrooms. And people who were promoting the ERA at the time were like, no, we'll never do that. Well, we're here again. That's where we are. The House passed this bill. The bill was will be blocked by the, by the Senate, undoubtedly, because you can't pass this thing through reconciliation. So it's going nowhere. It is likely also unconstitutional because it doesn't make any sort of religious carve-outs. But the truth is, that it should be unconstitutional because it violates freedom of association. You should be allowed to associate with people you want to associate with. This is a core freedom. And I may not like how you use that freedom, but I'm in favor of freedoms even if I don't like how you use them. And I'm in favor of freedom of speech, even if you are saying bad things with that freedom of speech, with which I do not agree. I'm in favor of freedom of the press, even for places like CNN and MSNBC. But this is the difference between people on the right and people on the left. I like rights, even when people I don't like are exercising those rights in ways I do not like. If you're on the left, Everything is either banned or mandatory. There is no middle category. Good things are mandatory and bad things are banned, according to the left. And they have determined that it is very bad to say that men are men and women are women. And we must, we must train every institutional gun in America on anybody who would note this basic biological fact that men exist and women exist and human beings, being a mammalian species, are dichotomous in their sex. That there are men and there are women. And the proof of this is that the procreation of the human species relies upon the differences, the biological differences, not the subjective self-assessment differences, the biological differences between men and women. We're going to ignore all of that and pass what is a truly egregious and authoritarian act. The Equality Act is an authoritarian bit of legislation. This is the Equality Act to actually do. So Ryan Anderson, who has been basically book burned by Amazon, they took down his book when Harry became Sally, even though it is a, it is a well-written, concise, and yes, tolerant book about transgenderism. He says over and over and over that people who suffer from gender dysphoria should be treated with the greatest of care, which is absolutely true. It is a semblance of how idiotic our society has become that we now say that a man with a mental disorder, namely gender dysphoria, is a woman. Okay, that is that is not how that works. And yes, it is a mental disorder. According to the DSM-4, gender dysphoria is a mental disorder according to the DSM-5, by the way. It used to be called gender identity dysphoria, gender identity disorder. Then they renamed it gender dysphoria because they added a requirement in the DSM-5, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual 5, that it's not just that you identify as a member of the opposite sex, it's that it causes you depression, which is the dumbest standard for diagnosing a mental illness ever, a mental disorder ever. By that standard, if you walk around saying that you are Jesus Christ today, you are not suffering from any sort of mental disorder unless it also causes you distress to say that. Okay, that's a ridiculous standard. It doesn't hold by virtually any other definition of a mental disorder, but that is what 
the, uh, the pseudoscientists over at the American Psychological Association have to say about all of this. In any case, what exactly does the Equality Act do? So Ryan Anderson writes about this. The act updates the law Congress passed primarily to combat racism, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and adds sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes akin to race. So if you have any reservations about gender ideology, as even many progressives do, you'd now be the legal equivalent of Bull Connor, right? To say that men and women exist and that they are separate, and that a man who believes he is a woman is not actually a woman, and that a man who enters a women's locker room with all the male appendages and says he is a woman should not be allowed to do so, this makes you like a 1960s Jim Crow era racist. Okay, now, to suggest that the differences between black people and white people are anywhere akin to the differences between men and women is patently crazy. The differences between black people and white people do not matter. They're essentially skin deep. That is the whole point. The difference between men and women is a lot more than skin deep. It affects nearly every area of intersexual relationships. It, it affects how men and women develop physically. It, 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 it affects how men and women develop mentally. There are significant differences in mental development between men and women. Women have advantages in some areas. Men have advantages in some areas, but there are major differences. This is all well-established science. There is not a single thing I am saying right now that is conjecture. What is conjecture is the suggestion that sex is completely malleable. What the left has done here is they play a game. Here's how the game works. They accept, supposedly, that sex is non-malleable. Then they say gender is different from sex. So what is gender? Gender is a collection of stereotypes about femininity and masculinity. Okay, but now that they're stereotypes, you're saying that they're arbitrary, right? Because they're stereotypes. They're not connected to any sort of underlying biological reality. And yet you say that gender is so important and so real that those stereotypes actually make you a man or a woman. So now sex doesn't matter, right? So sex, which is the only thing that we can objectively tell, that doesn't matter because gender identity, which a second ago was a set of stereotypes, that were supposedly foisted upon you by an intolerant society, those are the only things that matter. So if a man cross-dresses and dresses up as a woman, then this makes him transgender interested, perhaps, right? Maybe he's actually a girl, but it depends on his self-definition. If he's a man who just likes wearing a dress, then for sure he's just a man. But if he's a man who likes wearing a dress and also thinks he's a woman, then he is a transgender person. If none of this makes any scientific sense to you, that's because it has nothing to do with science. It is, in fact, an ideology. It is not, in fact, scientifically rooted. It is, it is based entirely on the fallacy that sexual, that, that biological sex and gender characteristics are completely different. And yet gender characteristics matter more than biological sex. And then what you will see is the final move, which is, well, actually, we're going to go back to that whole thing about sexual dichotomy. It doesn't exist. So you'll see this from the left a lot. Well, you see, you know, there are people who have XX chromosomes or XY chromosomes and who manifest as a member of the other sex because of a developmental disorder. Yes, it's called a developmental disorder. If, if I say that human beings walk upright, that, that is a true statement. Now, are there certain human beings who are born with a disability and cannot walk upright? Yes. Does that mean that as a class of human beings, human beings do not walk upright? No. It means that some people have disorders. Okay, that does not mean that you redefine that exact term. Okay, the, what, what, what people on the left like to do is take edge cases. Right? They like to take genetic anomalies, and then treat those as though this creates entire new classes of human beings. This is incorrect. It is not right. And it, it, it's, all, it's all ridiculous, but this has become the new normal. So now they're trying to enshrine this into law. And this has some pretty dire ramifications for your freedoms. Everything from freedom of association to freedom of religion to freedom of the press to freedom of speech, all of it is going to be ground down under the boot heel of an authoritarian left that decides that basic truth should be verboten. Okay, 
It is a basic truth that men and women exist and exist on the basis of biological characteristics that are objectively verifiable. That is a simple reality. If you die today, there will be people 100 years from now who will be able to look at your DNA and they will be able to tell whether you're a man or a woman and your subjective self-identification will matter not one whit because all you will be at that point is bones. We will be able to know whether you are in fact a man or a woman simply by looking at your bone structure. We do this right now in archaeology. We can tell what sex your baby is before they are born. According to the left, by the way, you can't tell somebody's actual gender until they die. And even then you can't use their biology because your gender could switch any minute. There are people who are 45 years old who've been a man all their life and have sired seven children. And if they decide they're a woman, they were not only are they a woman, they were always a woman. Because not only does transgender ideology violate the boundaries of biology, it violates the boundaries of physics. It's incredible. It's a time machine. You have to erase every vestige of the idea that this person was ever a man. Right? It's not just that Bruce Jenner changed his name and became Caitlyn Jenner and had some surgeries. That is not what happened. Kate, Bruce Jenner was always Caitlyn Jenner. Bruce Jenner was always a woman, you see, while winning medals at the Olympics, which makes him the most accomplished female athlete ever, by the way. Right, so it turns out that biological men are even the best female athletes. It's incredible. But now this is going to be written into law and it's, you're going to be cudgeled with it and your children will be cudgeled with it. Let's not pretend that this is anything but what it is. It's an authoritarian move by the left to cudgel everyone into line. It's an exercise of absolute raw power. That is the attempt right here. As Ryan Anderson writes, rather than finding common sense, narrowly tailored ways to shield LGBT identifying Americans from truly unjust discrimination, the bill would act as a sword to persecute those who don't embrace newfangled gender ideologies. It would vitiate a sex binary that is quite literally written into our genetic code and is fundamental to many of our laws, not least laws protecting the equality, safety, and privacy of women. And one of the self-defeating notions of the transgender movement and, and, the, and the combination, which is really bizarre, between L, G, B, and T, right? T is not like those others. The others are sexual orientations. T is a gender identity. It's a different thing. Okay, and not only is it a different thing, it militates directly against the notion that men and women are different, which is one of the bases of LGB thinking, right? Because you have decided that you are not sexually attracted to one sex, you are sexually attracted to another sex, or you have been, or you're oriented that way by your genetic code, whatever it is. Okay, but that relies on the idea that men and women are different. Feminism relies on the idea that men and women are different. T relies on the idea that men and women are precisely and absolutely the same in every single way. It is just all in your head. This is why you end up with these bizarre articles every so often from the left-wing press in which there will be a transgender woman, meaning a biological man, calling a man who does not want to have sex with a biological man, a person who is not straight because this biological man now identifies as a woman. A couple parting shots before we go into this fucking train wreck. He's trying to nominate this. T tell me that's a woman. I mean, come the fuck on, man. It's, it's all a scheme. If I wanted to be a girl, would I try to look like a girl? That dude doesn't want to look like a girl. Soledad O'Brien was at the hearings for disinformation. Soledad O'Brien. Leftist activists lost 65 million effort to fight conservative media, push progressive news. Project Veritas leaked Salesforce vow to purge messaging from Trump or election skeptics. Because, oh, by the way, Maricopa County is saying you got to turn over that shit. Here's Jason Stanley. 
I've never tweeted once about Trump's connection to Russia, and I've never written about it. I have always found it difficult to care. U.S. investigators corroborate some aspects of Russia. I share my fellow left concern about Russia. Five unanswered questions about Russia. That's just one journalist. I can do that all day long. They try to pull it away. They try to pull it away. But it's, it's not true. They have lied and lied and lied. Salon. Like the good Germans of Nazi era, Republicans want to believe that they are good and decent people who can hide behind fi- fictions of plausible deniability for the evils committed by their leaders. What does that even make? What does that mean? What does that fucking mean? They're so obsessed about this, and I know I'm out of order because I'm supposed to be going to the Quality Act. Here's Jim Acosta. He went to CPAC. Of course, he went online and said he was harassed, and CNN sucks, these people are horrible. You are horrible, dude. You're a piece of fucking shit. Let me change the thing. I'm just going to do these wokes really quick. Let's just do wokes. Student at Porter Ridge Hill School were asked if they could choose between being a Republican or Democrat in a civics class. The answers were publicized with the conservative students being bullied. That's your media. That's your media. Your kids would be better off feral than going to schools that make them anti-American racists. That's an article, and it's true. HuffPost reporter Matt Fuller makes up Capitol Police investigation into GOP congresswoman. Capitol Police say GOP rep is not under investigation, as HuffPost claims. It's all just projection. Because of the Equality Act. It's all because of them. They spend all their time lying. 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 They won't stop lying. They just don't print stuff. They don't tell the truth. They lie and lie and lie. And it's just... It's unfucking believable. It's unbelievable. I, I don't even know how they fucking get away with it. And then you see those stats, and what do you got? We're supposed to nominate this motherfucker, this fucking Fruit Loop. Yeah, I'm I'm stalling since I fucking had the wrong shit up. <laughs> I didn't realize to get into it. But as as Shapiro said, the Equality Act is just a litany of abuses towards Christians and people who don't believe liberal stuff. I said it. The problem with electing Democrats is every fucking time you elect a Democrat, unlike Republicans... They punish you. 
And they do laws that are straight up affecting you. This guy, as we'll see in a second with Rand Paul, literally will say that it's okay for kids to get sex changes at eight. One answer to the question, he was condescending, or it was condescending. Rand Paul was treated like shit because he's the only person to ask questions. But the articles are there. Four Ways to Equality Act could damage religious freedom in America. Oh, I don't know what the fuck just happened. My shit just locked up. Hold on a second. Well, I'm just all sorts of fucked up today. I'm a fucking soup bone. There we go. Ah, that article's fucked. It's just fucking, it's just so fucking fucked, I can't even get the damn thing to open. Five things you need to know about the Extremist Equality Act House Democrats just passed. The Equality Act is deceptively simple. The statutory language of Equality Act seems simple enough with the proposed law adding Sexual Orientation to Gender Identity Civil Rights Act. Um... The, specifically, the Equality Act would add sexual orientation, gender identity to Title II, which addresses discrimination in public accommodations. Title III, which covers public facilities. Title IV, which regulates public education. Title VI, which requires non-discrimination in federally assisted programs. And Title VII, which prohibits discrimination in employment. Sexual orientation and gender identity would also be added to Fair Housing Act. The devil's in the details. Aiding... Adding sexual orientation and gender identity to a list of protected classes may seem straightforward enough, but the proposed law does more, much more. These additional provisions will prove devastating in other, on many levels. The breadth of the Equality Act flows in part from the proposed law's expansion of various definitions throughout all titles of the Civil Rights Act. The term sex is redefined to include sex stereotype. Sex characteristics, gender identity, pregnancy, childbirth, a related medical condition. The gender identity provisions are extreme. The Equality Act is also about abortion. Absent a massive outcry, the Equality Act will pass. I don't think it's going to. I just don't think it's going to. I, I just don't. I got to pray that this just doesn't work. Blessings of Liberty, how the Equality Act viciously attacks Christians, freedom, society, sex, and you. Big business sides with leftists in pushing highly destructive Equality Act. And then you get into the, the fact that when you speak out like Rand Paul, you are clubbed like a baby seal. Genital mutilation has been nearly universally condemned. Genital mutilation has been condemned by the WHO, the United Nations Children's Fund, the United Nations Population Fund. According to the WHO, genital mutilation is recognized internationally as a violation of human rights. Genital mutilation is considered particularly egregious because, as the WHO notes, it is nearly always carried out on minors and is a violation of the rights of children. Most genital mutilation is not typically performed by force. 
But as WHO notes that by social convention, social norm, the social pressure to conform, to do what others do and have been doing, as well as the need to be accepted socially and the fear of being rejected by the community, American culture is now normalizing the idea that minors can be given hormones to prevent their biological development of their secondary sexual characteristics. Dr. Levine, you have supported both allowing minors to be given hormone blockers to prevent them from going through puberty, as well as surgical destruction of a minor's genitalia. Like surgical mutilation, hormonal interruption of puberty can permanently alter and prevent secondary sexual characteristics. The American College of Pediatricians reports that 80 to 95% of prepubertal children with gender dysphoria will experience resolution by late adolescence if not exposed to medical intervention and social affirmation. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I will look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender yeah. medicine. The specific question was about minors. Let's be a little more specific since you evaded the question. Do you support the government intervening to override the parent's consent to give a child puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and or amputation surgery of breasts and genitalia? You have said that you're willing to accelerate the protocols for street kids. I'm alarmed that poor kids with no parents who are homeless and distraught you would just go through this and allow that to happen to a minor. I would hope that you would have compassion for Kira Bell, who's a 23-year-old girl who was confused with her identity. At 14, she read on the Internet about something about transsexuals. She thought, well, maybe that's what I am. She ended up getting these puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones. She had her breasts amputated. But here's what ultimately she says now. And this is a very insightful from decision from someone who made a mistake but was led to believe this was a good thing by the medical community. I made a brash decision as a teenager, as a lot of teenagers do, trying to find confidence and happiness, except now the rest of my life will be negatively affected, she said, adding that the medicalized gender transitioning was a very temporary, superficial fix for a very complex identity issue. What I'm alarmed at is that you're not willing to say absolutely minors shouldn't be making decisions to amputate their breast or to amputate their genitalia. Everything he act that's the concerns people have. Because this affects more than your little bullshit. It affects children. You have to explain to them. This goes back to the Macy's parade where I'd explain to my grandkids why dudes were in dresses. During a Thanksgiving parade where they were waiting to see fucking Santa. And as documented on the show, uh, they just told me to go fuck myself. So I paid off my car and I've never been back into Macy's again. Levine, who's trans and has spoken openly about her belief in 
pub giving puberty blocking medication to trans-identified minors refuses answer to Paul's point. The whole world went after her. You saw the neighbor green stuff. She went out, put a flag. Abigail Schreier, the Equality Act will eliminate women as a protected category in law, making it impossible to exclude biological males from women's safe spaces, women's shelter, locker room, prisons, and women's and girls' sports. It's the greatest threat to women's right in a generation. Congressman Marie Manuin, our neighbor, MTG, tried to block the Equality Act because she believes prohibiting discrimination against trans-American is disgusting, immoral, and evil. Thought we put our transgender flag out. Well, then they got pissed off because it initially was blocked by Facebook and only Majority Greens was up where she literally said there's only two genders. A fact. That's a fact. I mean, Ben Shapiro went in depth and he's dead on. A millennia from now, when they find your fucking bones, they won't be going off of grrr and hicka. Your pronoun. You'll either be male or female. It is our identity. You can't legislate out biology. Adam Kinziger. Because uh, she responded to this bullshit. Our neighbor, Marie Newman, wants to pass so-called Equality Act to destroy women's rights and religious freedom. Put up ours so we can... I think I just had a hiccup. Let me reread. Uh... Our neighbor, uh, Marie Newman, wants to pass the so-called Equality Act to destroy women's rights and religious freedom. Thought we put ours out so she could look at it every time she opens the door. Adam Kinzinger. This is sad. I'm sorry this happened. Representative Newman's daughter is transgender. This video and tweet represents the hate and fame-driven politics of self-promotion of evil gods. Oh, really? Stephen L. Miller covers it. Congress is now just boomer neighbors fighting over the flags outside their fucking house. Totally true. Blue check writer Matt Walsh, still waiting for leftists to find the word woman. I've been asking for years. Not one leftist has ever done it. They can't define the word. They know they can't define it. Yet they continue babbling about sex and gender anyway. Noah Nertursky. Matt Walsh doesn't know what gender is. Desperately begging leftists to help him. Resentful when they tell him to fuck off. Um, there is no one definition of woman or of man. It's a collection of biological traits and cultural ideas. Gender isn't a math problem. I understand gender because I think it's a triangle. Thanks, Matt Walsh, you ninny. How does Matt Walsh want to define women? Probably chromosomes or secondary sex characteristics or childbearing or genitalia or, you know, a list of things that obviously don't work. Ben Shapiro, laugh my ass off. Yes, probably completing subjective self-definition is superior to any of these biological realities. Everybody was on board. Chris Saliza. Uh, fricasseed for his peace-shaming Majority Green. The empty performative politics of Majority Taylor Green, because they're trying to make her a Trump. I'm not going to read it. It's stupid. People at the bottom, of course, to his article. I don't disagree, but I haven't seen you criticize AOC. By her very definition, she's performative. Half of Congress is turning into a mental institution. So it wasn't performative when her neighbor posted online about antagonistic move, but it's performative for her to respond to it. 
She put the flag out. How about AOC going to Houston? How about AOC going to Kids in Cages? But she won't now. <laughs> I mean, they're such fucking bullies. Oreo fucking cookies. Trans people exist. Cookies. These are the same people that if I pull, let me pull it up. Same people. Sexism. Sexism was right there. You said sexism. But if there's no sex, how do you, why are you worried about sexism? And the fact that if you do a mastectomy, you have to do it for kids. If you do abortions, you have to do abortions for kids. This isn't about equality. This is about pushing a fucking religion on the religious and discriminating against their religion. Yet the Constitution specifically says you can't do that. There are already EEOC laws about false firing, false are not giving somebody rant and all this shit. Nobody's getting persecuted because they're trans. Trump did it because that's what you have to do for the fucking military. If you don't know who the fuck you are, how are you going to fight a fucking war? We're all supposed to be green. Robots. Washington Post columnist frustrated by lack of fictional abortions. After the sixth episode of Atypical, I stormed in my daughter's room. Please tell me the therapist is not going to have that baby. She paused to remember which show she told me to watch, and then she struggled empathetic. Sorry, Mom. Damn it, I was hoping that young professional woman would deport her baby. But it's a cult. Demi Lovato condemns gender reveal parties as transphobic. Transphobic. Dan Crenshaw, he went out and said why he didn't vote for it. Why vote against something as nice sounding as Equality Act? Because it elevates one person's preferences above the right of another, which is not equality. How there are three examples. Women, sports, are obliterated. This universally universalizes the notion that biological men who identify as women can compete against women and enter their locker rooms and bathrooms. The Religious Freedom Restoration Act is gutted, leaving churches and religious orgs open to endless lawsuits by radical activists. That's all that is, is the LGBT mafia going after the baker, the church, the whatever. Democrats are destroying this long-held bipartisan protection of the right to practice your belief. Opens doors to universal right to abortion. Or to redefine abortion as part of the broadly defined women's health care requirement. Leading to taxpayer funding of abortion, even up to birth. No more ability for doctors to abide by their own moral or religious beliefs. This is not equality. This is forcing others to adhere to your beliefs. This is not live and let live. It's authoritarianism. This is not freedom. This is not America. And in here, I'm not going to go into it. Straight TikTok is too gay for some lefties. 
took a deep, deep dive into straight TikTok to analyze the app's most followed white teenagers out today and Teen Vogue. I write about how this group bends the rules of masculinity for clout and what that means to creators in the margins. It's all gay shit. And then they find out that lefties don't follow them. That was the article. This fucking shit is horse crap. But I'm going to turn to a smart man. And once again, I put this up because it's a fucking cult. It's a fucking religion. They are fucking obsessed with this fucking shit. And before we go into short policy segment, before we go into more canceling, since I fucked up the podcast and had shit out of order. I don't know why I did that. I did it on my phone. I think that's how I fucked up. I have talked forever on this show about what it's now to be a conservative-leaning person and a liberal person. When I was a child and I was a Democrat, it was the right pushing religion on everybody. You will be religious! And it was the left saying people should be able to live their lives, fuck they want to, stay out of my bedroom, blah, 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 blah. Well, now that I'm an old man, the tables have turned. And one of the analogies I always said was, I love brisket. I don't like pulled pork. I root for the Green Bay Packers. I like fishing. I like wearing camouflage. Blah, blah, blah. But I don't demand all of you grab my beliefs. I don't expect you to be respectful to women. I don't expect you to believe Abortion in the third trimester is murder. I don't expect you to do any of the things I do, believe, or anything. The only time I push away people is when they assume I'm something based on the ideals from the media. Like my good friend, who I've never talked to since, who said I was a tower shooter and fucking I'm a storm buildings. Because... He's part of that stat. They've been listening to it so long, so it must be that everybody who believes this is evil. If you own a gun, you're a school shooter. Of course. But I don't expect that person to believe what I believe. I don't expect that person to believe in the gun culture that I believe in, because I'm a gun culture guy. 20 years, I carried a fucking rifle. I have a rifle, because I like my rifle. I like shooting it. My son likes shooting it. My wife likes shooting it. We're going shooting this week. This is what we do. We target practice. We don't shoot kids. We don't go chase down black people. We go to fucking range and shoot targets. So if we're exterminating targets and you're offended by that, well, they probably will be soon. That'll be a thing. But right now it's not. But that's my life. I love bass fishing. I like taking naps. There's a million things that I like, but I don't expect you to like any of it. Embrace any of it. You live your life. I live my life. That's how America used to be. But the left, with their intersectionality, cult, and religion, they subscribe to totally different things. And Ben Shapiro knocks this out of the park in a way that Expressive individualism. They're being brainwashed to believe that by me not wanting to do the 99 pronouns, 
and a bitch ain't one, I'm infringing on their rights. Now, one thing I missed, and, and this is pretty fucking funny, I'm going to make me small, and I'm going to make this big, if I can. Let me see if I can bring this down really quick. I'm going to be really teeny. Look at all the motherfucking flags these motherfuckers have. Look at that shit. Look at this. For fuck a fuck a fuck. I'm going to open up the slideshow because I didn't open it up when I should have because I was supposed to be reading off it instead of the slides. Lesbian, gay, queer, bisexual, pansexual, polysexual, omnisexual. I don't even know the fuck that is. Uh, Asexual. Desensual, gray sensual, gazensual, lithromantic. I'm lithromantic. What is that, a song? I mean, this. Jesus fucking Christ. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eighty. Ninety-six fucking flags. And a bitch ain't one. Really? You gotta have all that shit? Really? And they do. Because they've been brainwashed. Of the last century and a half, there has been a shift in terms of how people view themselves. This is a point made by a philosopher named Robert Bella. The, the basic idea is that it used to be the Enlightenment idea of Enlightenment liberalism is that individuals mattered. Right before that, you were just seen as a member of a community only. If you go back to Aristotle, and Aristotle would talk about you as a member of the polis, right? That your value was in your value to the, to the political community that surrounded you. And in religious communities, there was some of this as well, right? Your value was as a member of the tribe, so to speak. Okay? Enlightenment liberalism fixated on a couple of things. They said, number one, you have the individual ability to reason. Your reason is supposed to pursue virtue, right? This is a very Greek idea. At the same time, the Bible says that every individual is created in the image of God. This creates individual rights. So enlightenment liberalism was predicated on the notion that government should treat you as an individual and you should be treated as an individual, right? This is the basis for all of our politics now. But there is an unspoken assumption, which is that in treating you as an individual, your job, your duty, right? The other side of the right, the other side of the rights that that adhered to you by dint of the laws of nature and nature's God is that you, you would use that liberty to pursue virtue. You would use your reason in order to pursue, to pursue virtue and be a better person. And this is why removing the Judeo-Christian roots of the Enlightenment ends up with radicalism. Because when you remove the duty to be a good person or a virtuous person, when you remove all of that, all you end up with is just your belief that as an individual, you are entitled to define the world in any way you want. And you see this in language from people like Justice Anthony Kennedy, who suggested in an abortion case, right? Planned Parenthood versus Casey. He suggested that you have a right to define the universe and the meaning of life in any way that you want. Okay, well, that is all fun and games up until the point where you demand that I accept and tolerate your meaning of life, right? That that I accept your version of reality. This is what Robert Bella talked about. He called it expressive individualism. There's a difference between enlightenment individualism, which recognizes that, yes, you have rights as an individual, but you ought to use those rights in order to exercise your reason and and pursue virtue, typically in a Judeo-Christian sense, and expressive individualism. Expressive individualism completely disconnects you from the community at large. It creates you as an atomic individual. 
right? You're an, you're, you're an atomistic individual, rather. You're a, you're a separate individual from the rest of the community. And the only thing that matters is how you define the world. Expressive individualism is the basic idea that the goal of life and of government ought to be ensuring the ability of individuals to explore their own perception of the good life and to express it as they see fit in any way. Enlightenment liberalism, as, as I say, was built atop a basis of notions about Greek virtue and Judeo-Christian decency. Okay, but that was removed over the course of time. Expressive individualism obliterates those limits. So if you find, if you find meaning in avoiding responsibility and living as basically a teenager your entire life, that is just fine and no one can judge you for it. If you find meaning in ignoring your kids, nobody can really judge you for that because after all, you don't have a duty. Duties don't accrue. Duties are an element of virtue. If you find meaning in defining yourself in a way that is directly contrary to either reality or decency, that is also liberty. So if you decide that you are a man when you are a woman or that you are a woman when you are a man, that is just you defining reality for yourself. It's expressive individualism because the goal of life is to express yourself. It's all about authenticity. It is not about duty. It is not about decency. It's not about reason. It's about finding your authentic self. And here's the thing. There's a corollary. Okay. Anybody who stops you from expressing yourself this way is an obstacle. Anybody who stops you from expressing yourself this way is a problem. And we don't even mean rules that stop you from acting the way we want. We mean anybody who refuses to acknowledge your reality as reality writ large is a problem for you. O. Carter Sneed, philosophy professor at University of Notre Dame, says that according to philosopher Charles Taylor, individualism, expressive individualism, requires the approval of others. Taylor, quote, identified a new category of harm that emerges in a culture of expressive individualism, namely the failure to receive, accept, and appreciate the expression of others' inner depths. To fail to recognize the expression of other selves is a violation and a harm to them. Right? Because after all, your deepest belief system is what we all seek in life. And if people refuse to acknowledge that your belief system is reality, then this means they have infringed upon you. So if you choose to use the pronoun G, and I say, nope, you're a dude, then I have infringed upon you. I've infringed upon you in such an egregious way that the federal government should step in and regulate it. Now, as you may notice, expressive individualism neglects a simple fact, which is that many people define reality in a different way. If you don't believe that there is white privilege, please don't teach. If you don't believe that black lives matter, please don't teach. If you don't believe in systemic racism and how it negatively impacts our students of color and don't want to help dismantle those systems, please don't teach. White, yes, you are racist, even if you think you're woke. We all benefit from oppression. Pretending you're not racist only makes racism grow. He nails it, and then I put that video afterwards. That's why you get this. Even though it's factually incorrect, even though they know it's factually incorrect, that's why you get that. And then you double down with fucking bullshit like this. Sergi Hashmashi has put together a helpful visual to illustrate why airstrikes are actually good when Joe Biden does it. Trump airstrike. Just a missile. Biden airstrike. He, him, BLM, build back better. It's truth. Iowa Hawk, Jamal Green, 
We didn't flip Georgia blue for buying the airstrike Syria. We flipped Georgia blue for our $2,000 stimulus check. Iowa Hawk. Maybe Biden bombed Syria only because he thought he was still playing Mario Kart. And they show the situation room where he's dazed and confused. Sleepy Joe, old tweet attacking Trump for starting almost another war in Middle East, age almost as bad as he has. Trump's erratic, impulsive actions are the last thing we need as commander-in-chief. No president should order a military strike without fully understanding the consequences. We don't need another war in the Middle East, but Trump's actions towards Iran only make things better. The whole world. Are you fucking serious? Are you serious? Anybody? Anybody see this? Anybody? I... Jim Pasaki. Also, what is the legal authority for strikes? Assad is a brutal dictator, but Syria is a sovereign nation. 2017. I guess you won't circle back to that fucking shit. <clears throat> uh, David French. Good targeting. Our troops should carry a consequences. You good good targeting our troops should carry consequences. U.S. airstrike in Syria target Iran-backed militias that rocketed Americans, and then somebody shows him all the stuff that this David French motherfucker, a principal conservative, has done. If Trump strikes Syria without congressional approval, his Syrian policy will be both imprudent and unconstitutional. About to unconstitutionally launch an imprudent strike? Check. Declared his intent to withdraw from Syria and power Iran, Russia, Assad? Check. Heck of a policy, POTUS. Unconstitutional imprudent. The Trump Syria process is a dangerous mess. Good. Targeting our troops should carry a consequence. Do you remember all this? Does everybody remember? It was bad when Trump did it. Amy Siskind. So different having military action under Biden. No middle school level threats on Twitter. Trust Biden and his team's competence. This weekend, Jennifer Rubin, the supposed conservative. It's so great having my Saturdays back with Biden and a picture of her dog. Because they're not going to do anything. Chunk Unger. So Joe Biden bombs Syria and kills the minimum wage hike confirming every fear progressives had. Soon, the renege on getting $2,000 checks to everyone in the middle class by limiting who gets it to appease their donors. The establishment is back, and it absolutely sucks. Jake Tapper. In light of last night's U.S. attack on bases in Syria, Pisaki was asked about this in 2017 tweet on Air Force One just now, per Caitlin Collins and Press Sec, cited the NSC reason on legal authority about Article 2 of the Constitution and said there was a thorough legal review. Her 27 tweet, Pisaki said, was in reference to an attack on Syrian military installation in response to a chemical weapon attack. Last night was a strike on militia groups in defense of U.S. personnel under attack in Iraq. There is a massive dis- difference in both policy and law. 
No sane, responsible person believes this distinction, regardless of what Ms. Pisaki would like them to believe. Now media would certainly parrot this line as gospel truth, but they're not so dumb as to actually believe it themselves. So basically, Jake, your Garden Variety 2 tweet, it's okay when we do it. I'd say we expect better from you, Jake, but we actually don't. Defend them to the end, Jake. And there's a million of these. Taj McGreen, he keeps going. And for minimum wage, and five fifty thousand student debt. Biden, you want to activate the military? Sign them to hand out breakfast to hungry children. He dropped bombs. He needs to be dropping damn check. No magic wand. Yee, yeah, boy. Trump thought so. Everything they wanted to go get done quick, like shoveling through a Supreme Court justice. People don't like political red tape. We have... We have control. Use it and get things done quickly. And I'm not going to read anymore because he's spot on. Democrats are in charge of fucking everything in Washington. But what was more important? Impeaching Trump. What's more important? Silencing my opposition. What's more important? Equality Act. They voted Equality Act before they fucking voted for fucking stimulus checks. And the stimulus checks, as we've broken down two consecutive podcasts, is just pork for the people that got Biden elected. 9% of that shit goes to you. And since we're doing our news section, yeah, we still got kids in cages. Tonight, the Biden administration is allowing some asylum seekers who've been waiting at a camp in Mexico to cross into the U.S. to have their asylum requests processed. It comes as border crossings are the largest they've been in a January in the past decade. CBS's Maria Villarreal went to the border to find out what is happening. These are the faces of some of the first asylum seekers in South Texas. Dozens who were living in limbo in this Mexican border camp under what the Trump administration called the Migrant Protection Protocols. Now one step closer to having their cases heard, some waiting years. The Trump administration's policy sent more than 70,000 people back to Mexico, creating a bottleneck of cases. Now people in the camp are remaining in place because they're currently being registered. Sam Bishop is a former Army veteran who says these migrants deserve a fair shot. There's a lot of fear fear in the U.S. about migration. But these are not the people you need to be worried about, you know. They're trying to do it the right way. They're trying to do it responsibly and, and in a manner that's like, consistent with our, with our laws. Illegal crossings are also on the rise, with 3,000 arrests on average per day in January on the southwest border. You have two. Dos. Okay. Some of the families we spoke with say they crossed the border with a smuggler. Coyotes are telling these families the border is open under this administration. Those illegal crossings further complicate the asylum process. It seems very unfair to the people that are still in the encampment because they have waited to go through a very legal process and they've been there more than a year and a half now. Is this a byproduct of just a system that has had a ton of band-aids but no true solution, no true fix? That's true. And Mexico said that they would not accept families back with young children anymore. Tonight, we've also learned that border crossings by unaccompanied minors, kids who come here alone and without their parents, is on the rise as well. And now the Biden administration is under fire from immigration advocates who are upset that they are opening up a facility just outside San Antonio, Texas, reopening that facility to house those children. Hi, Jen. Um, this week, a migrant facility that operated under the Trump administration for only a month in September 2019 is being reactivated to hold up to 700 children ages 13 to 17 
seen throughout the campaign. Uh, President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris repeatedly spoke out against kids in cages. Uh, I feel like this is the same thing and that you're still detaining kids at the border and it's not meaningfully different than what President Trump was doing. Well, it's absolutely not the same thing, Megan. We are not ripping children from the arms of their parents. That is horrible and immoral and something we saw in the last administration. But what we're seeing is kids are fleeing prosecution. They're fleeing really difficult circumstances in their home country, and they're coming to the border. And we need to figure out how to treat them humanely and keep them safe. And in a time of COVID, that means we needed to open an additional facility so that we could have educational services, so we could have legal services, so we could have medical and health services, and have those kids there treated humanely until we we can find proper homes, family placements for these kids. This is incredibly difficult. It's heart-wrenching, and it's a really difficult decision, but this is the best decision we felt we could make to keep these kids safe and get them into the right places and right homes. You know, there are mounting, there are mounting calls That's to remove a postmaster. Everyone has. I'm sorry, can you say that one more time? I just want to know, are you or are you not detaining children separately in a different facility? Well, Megan, these are, this is a facility that was reopened, it was revamped, and it was redone to have these kids in a place where they could have access to educational services, health services, so they could find proper homes. We can't send them directly to families that haven't been vetted. We've seen issues with that in the past. We can't have them all in the former HHS facility because of COVID, and we need to make sure there's safety protocols so that they're not in beds next to each other. This is there's, incredibly difficult. There's criticism difficult. all the way around, including from people within your own party, like AOC, and I think there's just a lot of people that see this as hypocrisy and that it's just sort of potato, potato. It's kids in cages or kids being separated their, from their families. Kids are being separated from their families. Well, Megan, what's important and what we all have a responsibility to do is communicate clearly about what this is and what this is not. And this is kids going to a facility run by HHS. We had to open a new one to make sure it had the safe protocols in order to address the COVID, pro the COVID needs and the health and safety needs, because we can't have as many kids in the former HHS facility. That's exactly what we did. But our objective is to get these kids into safe homes, with their families as quickly as possible. And we are absolutely not doing what the former president did and what, frankly, the current president and the current vice president objected to, which is uh, ripping kids from the, from the arms of their parents. That They're so shameless, the media. Vox has apparently undergone a harmless style guide update just in time for the coverage of Biden. Children are being kept in cages. Parents are being deported without their kids. Trump is wrongly blaming Democrats. June 18, 2018. Biden controversial decision to reopen temporary shelters for migrant children explained. The Biden administration is reopening temporary facilities to hold migrant children arriving at the U.S. southern border, receiving concern about the welfare and health in these shelters. Cages or temporary shelters? Oh, we're just, we're just going with it. Stephen L. Miller, frame this. First migrant facility for children opens under Biden. AOC, this is not okay, never has been okay, never will be okay, no matter what administration or party. Stephen L. Miller, a little bit more subdued response than flying to the border to ski, scream through a chain-link fence. <laughs> the Biden admin, admin point out correctly, it's not the kind of facility that has essence barbed wire and cages where they're keeping children. It's more of a shelter with beds. 
In other words, it's one of the places Trump built, not one of the places Obama built. That's actual CBS report. I won't play it. That's exactly what they said. Dear Diary, can't we be the country that doesn't do this to migrant children? Jim Acosta. What should we do with unaccompanied minors across the border, Jim? Maybe you can yell out a question at somebody. Maybe you can go down the border and take fucking pictures of the goddamn fence. Remember that? Hmm. And then we got all the fucking Cuomo shit. The head of the group the president is going to meet with today, the National Governors Association, Andrew Cuomo, is being accused of sexual harassment by a former staffer named Lindsay Boylan. She says that Cuomo, while he was governor, gave her an unwanted kiss on the lips. He asked her to play strip poker. Is the White House worried about this becoming a distraction from an important meeting about COVID response? Well, let me first say uh, that the president has been consistent in his position. When a person comes forward, they deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. Their voice should be heard, not silenced, and any allegation should be reviewed. Governor Cuomo is also the governor of uh, one of the largest states in the country that has been one of the hardest hit. And to him being in charge of the governors and in charge of such a big state, will the president uh, talk to him about these accusations from Democrats in the New York legislature that Cuomo misled the public about deaths in nursing homes throughout the pandemic. Well, this is a meeting and a conversation with a range of governors about how we can all work together to address the pandemic. There are some Democrats in New York who want a uh, who want congressional hearings about these deaths in nursing homes. There was a, a Cuomo aide who told lawmakers in February that the Cuomo administration withheld the number of residents who died in hospitals uh, from the public due to the fear that it would be used against them by federal prosecutors. Is this something the White House thinks would be appropriate for a congressional hearing? It's, it's really up to Congress to determine. Uh... Both of these nominees are women of color. And I mean, yesterday, or not, yesterday we actually played for our viewers some of the tweets that were told to Neera Tandon that she had tweeted during, or that were said during her confirmation hearing. I mean, they were not pretty. Uh, some of the things that she said, I remember the one that really stuck out to me was calling Mitch McConnell, Voldemort, and Moscow Mitch, and she had many, many tweets. But when you look at who Manchin has confirmed, it's odd that this is the standard for him, uh, I think. And I, I just really wonder, you know, what you guys think about sort of what is appropriate for confirming someone or dismissing them on this, and if there is a double standard. Um, Essie, you I first. Mean, I think there's obviously, or Kirsten, you oh, first. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think there obviously is a double standard because you look at other people who've been confirmed, like Rick Grinnell, for example, who was confirmed to be the ambassador to Germany, uh, something that usually an ambassador requires like a certain temperament, right, for diplomacy. And he is, you know, on Twitter doing, you know, mean tweets, you know, up the wazoo. So if that that's okay, then what's the problem with Nira? I, I think that Nira should be judged on her experience. And she's a very experienced person. She has a lot of experience working in the government. She was, you know, in, in the Obama White House. She used to work um, on Hillary Clinton's staff. Uh, she obviously run, ran the Center for American Progress. And so I think that that should be the standard that, that she's held to. And I think that, um, you know, uh, that there's no, there really isn't an explanation. Like I, I, I've tried to think of one, but you cannot raise her temperament as it's been raised based on her tweets. If you confirmed Rick Grinnell, 
I mean, it just doesn't, those two things just don't add up. But I'm not interested in what people who have enabled him for the last four years and continue to enable him. And those are the Republicans in Congress. Um, and, and, and to a certain extent, even Joe Manchin you know, has enabled him as well. So, you know, you do have to have one standard and you can't suddenly just decide that um, you have a standard for these women of color that you don't ever hold anybody else to. Well, Javier Becerra, for instance, is not a doctor, but the Republicans supported Alex Azar and, you know, Kathleen Sebelius was was a HHS secretary. You know, Donna Shalala, they were not doctors. Uh, since when is being a doctor you know, the requirement to be HHS secretary. You're running one of the biggest agencies other than the Pentagon. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I certainly wouldn't I'm, talk I'm about it, Jim, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll just say this briefly. Uh, I, I don't think being a doctor uh, is necessarily the criticism or not being a doctor is the criticism. I think the question is, health policy experience. That's the issue with Becerra. But Very simple question, which I don't think Google will allow you to ask, but we will. Is it healthy to wear three masks on your face? Uh, I mean, it, it does. Tucker, first of all, I want to very quickly say thank you, because the last time I was on with you, it was the week the power couple had been published, and we talked a little bit about how, you know, I couldn't get reviews, and I was sort of being shut out because yeah. of my nonfiction work, my novel was suffering. You, you know, you said something about it, and you almost, I don't want to give you too much credit, but you almost single-handedly turned around the publication that week. It became a bestseller that week on the Publishers Weekly bestseller list. So thank you on that. Now, oh, well, people, people masks, appreciate your bravery. They, yeah. Uh, I think they listen to you, actually, but but masks and, and a little bit vaccines. OK, we don't need to we don't really need to argue about whether three masks might be dangerous. There's no evidence that three masks do any good. There's very, very little evidence that two masks or one mask do any good. There's one good clinical trial about masks and the coronavirus. It came out in November. It's been very conveniently memory hold by the media since then. And what it showed was very clear. Masks do not protect the wearer from the coronavirus. OK, so in the face of that, before both before and after that, the, the CDC and various other places have come up with a bunch of theories about how masks, uh, you know, or source control. And my mask protects you, even if it doesn't protect me, although maybe it does protect me, and, although it doesn't really because there's no evidence that it actually does. And and here's what you when you look when you try to graph mask mandates on a sort of national or regional or local level against changes in the coronavirus over time, against changes in infection rates, you find absolutely no comparison, no, no way to track any, that there's any relationship. Okay, so if you look at California versus Florida, that's one that people like to show because California, heavy mask mandates, lock, you know, lockdowns, lots of rules. Cal Florida went exactly the opposite way. The virus essentially uh, behaved exactly the same in both places. OK, so because in the face of all this evidence, what the CDC has done is ridiculous. What they've said is, oh, well, it may not be. We need two masks or maybe three masks. And the pivotal CDC study on this, which came out a few weeks ago, was done on mannequins. I had to throw in that bullshit about tan and all that crap, but Peter Ducey had a couple sound bites. I'm only gonna play one now. He's the only reporter doing anything, but you'll notice it isn't like Jim Acosta yelling and screaming and reading the plaques at the bottom of the fucking Statue of Liberty. Although I wish he would. And that last sound bite, that that is so shocking that it's not shocking. 
There's no study that says you should wear two or three masks. None. But you didn't hear anything about Cuomo. Andrew, this is Jay Tapper. Andrew Cuomo denies former aide sexual harassment allegations. What framing of the story by CNN? Not Cuomo accused, but Cuomo denied. And that's the whole thing. Andrew Cuomo's team respond to Lindsay Boylan's sexual harassment allegations by disputing a claim she never even made. His abusive behavior needs to stop. For, former Andrew Cuomo staffer Lindsay Boylan shares disturbing detail allegation of sexual harassment. When you lose Talcum X, sounds like Sean King is starting to believe that Donald Trump did a better job. We are crossing a point where people are starting to say Donald Trump did a better job getting people stimulus checks than Joe Biden. I threw it in this section because here's the deal. Understand, the only reason why we're getting 2000 because Trump said it. And at the time, the media said, oh my fucking God, you need to shut up. He ruined everything. Why did he say that? Why? Seth Mandel takes us down a short stroll down memory lane to revisit media coverage of alleged sexual predator Andrew Cuomo. This is uh, from February 24th. New York Times. Andrew Cuomo is a control freak we need right now. Why we are crushing on Andrew Cuomo right now. With a big smiley face. Gross. Molly Jong Fass even says it. She has the best judgment. Michael Lavani is New York AG. I'll take headlines that didn't age well for 1,000. And it goes on a list. I'm not going to read them all. New York Governor Cuomo during the COVID-19 crisis is the same as ever with one big difference. People like him. And then a litany of fucking all the stories that are coming out. Um, where is that one? I have a crush on Andrew Cuomo, March 13, 2020. Gustafson Bartlett. Governor Cuomo approves of people who identify as Cuomo-sexuals. Those are actual articles. But there's still no investigative journalism on the second lady that's come forth. The dead grandparents. None of it. Why would we? Why? And since we're talking about COVID, January has been the deadliest month for COVID-19 with nearly 80,000 lives lost. Since Cuomo took office, 70,000 Americans have died of COVID-19. And nobody said, hey, those are Biden's deaths. There's no ticker. We don't do tickers anymore. Then to the petty shit. Uh, <clears throat> Hope Joe sees this. Washington Post fact checker and Glenn Kessler explain how HHS nominee Xavier Becerra didn't really sue nuns. He did. PolitiFact rushes to defend Biden again on rising insulin prices. They're saying it's not his fault. You saw Ducey. President Biden ignores a question from Peter Ducey about his promise that 2,000 checks would go out the door immediately if Democrats won the Senate. Acosta would tweet out, the president just refused to answer my question if it was Trump. 
one word description frail thank you for your time Mr. President, Mr. President, whatever happened to your seven weeks ago, the guy doesn't even know where the fuck he is. And then hidden in this shit, basically, so, so you know, because nobody's going to cover it. God damn, what the fuck is this? Forbes. Ugh. That's not the article I was look, looking for. Inside of this... Federal workers are basically being paid to stay home. That's part of the COVID bill we're doing. White House over new plan to start charging for daily COVID-19 testing. Biden team wants to charge reporters $170 for a COVID test every time they come in the White House. Starting Monday, the White House press office said it will start charging journalists for coronavirus tests, which are required for anyone entering the White House. The proposed cost for each is $170. Uh, It would cost $13. Thirteen hundred sixty dollars a day to test an eight-person crew under the White House plan. Hundred seventy per test for anyone in the White House grounds because officials there contend that the cost of maintaining the testing regime for nearly a year strains its budget. Strain the White House budget. The price of admission. Margaret Sullivan, White House presser, at odds over plan to charge reporters. I think part of the bringing truth or transparency back to the briefing room is not making it prohibitively expensive for small outlets to tighten the budget. And scene. Of course that's why they're doing it. They just want CNN, WAPO, and New York Times in there. You can control the narrative. You just have friendly people asking you questions. North Carolina Dem Gov just vetoed a bill that would have forced schools to open for in-person learning. The New York Gov- no, New- North Carolina governor vetoed SB 37, which required all North Carolina schools to open. Though Cooper has strongly urged schools to open, he did not support Bill because it didn't mandate protocols. Former Democratic presidential candidate offers up frank assessment of Biden administration performance so far. Marianne Williamson, we're not even two months in and I'm already so tired of hearing excuses. Yeah, that's good shit right there. So let's head to a cancel culture shit with the new bumper for Everything is Racist. But for a short break, a blast to the past. Here's the Grandpa Cooking Show. Got your knife. You chop up some onion like this. Alright. Don't make it fancy. Don't cut it up like a girl. Cut it up like a boy. Chunks and crap. Have a little peeling in there. Yeah, that makes it all good. It's all protein. Not really, but just vegetables. <laughs> Don't get enough vegetables here, <coughs> Then what you do is you just throw this crap up there like that. You you pay t- there. He's talking to you. You gotta pay attention. Just throw it up there because that's what women are for. They clean that crap up after you when you're done. You uh, know I'm showing this to mom, right? That's right. And then you take this and you just <laughs> stir it up. You stir it up. You get your egg all stirred up and you have chunks of stuff and cheese. Look at that. That looks like somebody puked in a bowl. But once it cooks in the microwave, it's all good, brother. You're going to throw this in here because... <laughs> You have no clue how long to cook it. You just push three. I just push three. And you have to push three like four or five times, maybe six times. All right, now we need to repair our tortilla. Or you can call it fast cams. That's what he's calling the army. These fast cams like a minefield that you throw out of a helicopter that goes out the side. See, you could eat this one, but it's cracked. So that sucks. You can wad it up and you throw it in the trash. You get the new pack. You don't want to screw them. You don't want to screw them. Oh, that gets on the floor. Okay, now. You're going to take your tortilla, and because you're old and fat, you can't have mayonnaise. 
sucks. Mayonnaise on your eggs? Oh yeah, mayonnaise sauce. That's Actually, disgusting. We're going to splurge on a little mayonnaise. Right? One thing I forgot to put in there was the, the meat, but we're just going to throw this on the side. But really what I like to do is just start eating it, because I like the phrase, like, fuck, I'm going to eat this yet. Why not? Alright. Go. Yeah, a little bit of mayonnaise. And to zest that shit up, mustard, you know, honey, brown, and there. I'm going to whip it off and, oh, hey, lots of people know that. I'm teaching some shit, man. It's old school. It's not going to get an old school ulcer. What? Oh, I'm not allowed to tape? <laughs> Alright, see? Take all that, slap it down. A little bit of mayo, slap it down. You want your cup? Right. You gotta spread that crap around. Oh yeah, look at that. That's good. That's all good. That's eggs. Egg good. Mark, take it. Throw it over there. Somebody else will clean it. You're above that. But somebody's cooking me. Your hand. <coughs> Alright, so we got everything done. This is one thing you gotta do, because this is an ass chewing you don't want, brother. You never just do this. No. <laughs> I used to do that. Quickest way to ask to him, brother. Put it in a Ziploc. Seal it up. Everything smells like onions. Nobody's gonna like it. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Everything is racist according to me. Everything is racist. By now, you know, Mr. Potato Head is now racist. But the only funny thing came out of it is Brian Seltzer trended on Twitter during it. Hasbro, Mr. Potato Head makeover. Finally, kids project their own ideas about gender, sexuality, and family onto the toy via Fast Company. The accounting Mr. Potato Head gets a 21st century rebrand. You don't have to do this. Sleeping Giants. You don't have to do this. They can do whatever they want. It's their product. They are a private company. They can do whatever they want. If you're not happy, build your own company. That's the left. TikTok mom teaching daughters there's no such thing as virginity. It's a patriarchal concept. You can teach your kids that when you believe abortion is a form of birth control. My favorite is, if you didn't listen to it, I think it's episode 1203 or 1201, or 3 of Ben Shapiro, we covered this on the show. New York Times finally did a deep dive on that Smith College hoax. And for those that don't know about it, the basic premise is a black girl who goes to a school that's tuition is more than most people make in a year said she was racially persecuted the media, CNN, everybody ran with it as eating while black. But the true story is she was eating in a closed dorm. Everybody was told to get the police if somebody was in there because it was closed off and they'd had some vandalism. In the end, the janitor, the police officer, everybody's lives got ruined. She lied. The academy or Smith College did a bunch of... Uh, re-education camps, then released the investigation. It was all proven that she was full of shit. 
It wasn't her first time of being full of shit. And the New York Times just finally covers it. And this is a once a week thing in America. Propagated by those people. Fahrenheit 2021 Amazon Nebula's hate speech policy requiring banning books on transgenderism. But Adolf Hitler, Mein Kampf, is okay. They're really going into this because this is, once again, that article we covered about the Quality Act. Big business is all for this. Because they don't want to get canceled. So, you know. Abigail Shear says we need to make a bigger deal about Amazon deleting books from its catalog. We're not. We're really not making a big enough deal of fact that Amazon has begun deleting books. Amazon now claims the right to bar all books that are inappropriate or offensive. Of course, nearly every book worth reading could be characterized as inappropriate or offensive to someone. But also, Amazon is manifestly dishonest about censoring books that are offensive or inappropriate. They continue to sell books like this, which discusses very young children about how to suck a dick. Beyond Magenta, transgenders teeth, teeth, transgender teens speak. About how to suck a dick. Yeah, we need that book. That's important. Somehow. Somebody will make an ex- make a reason why it is important. I don't know how. I shouldn't take my dip out. Sorry about that. Books that surprise and inform and challenge us see things differently are usually offensive to someone. In short term, sounding the alarm may increase sales of a particular book. But this is a dangerous move. We are too complacent about it. When a company controls 83% of the market for books... It begins the process of deleting ideas from a society. A bookseller can sell whatever it wants. If Marxist Books wants to only sell books that conform to its ideology, okay. That has integrity. But this is the world's largest bookseller. Amazon can basically make books disappear for all readers. And does so on a blatantly dishonest bias. Under the guise of removing inappropriate content, they will be removing ideas they disfavor. Please do not make the mistake of analogizing, analoging this to a tiny Colorado bakery. There's a huge difference between one baker refusing to make a particular cake and Target, Amazon, or Apple deleting content. It's the same as the difference between homicide and genocide. Because here's the deal. Just like Twitter... When there are errors, it's never the other way. When we delete a book, we don't delete the book about transgender teens talking about sucking cock. That book doesn't get deleted. Or the anti-Christian stuff they have. My humidor is a little too damp. Start to understand the power of scale. The difference between moused books refusing to book and Amazon is that books Amazon disfavor will never be published in the first place, which is exactly what the book banners want. If the pipe that 83% of book sales flows through shuts off, those books will never get published. Why would a publisher take a chance on a book that Amazon won't carry? Now is the time to get upset for the moment while we can still express this on Twitter. Isn't that sad? Writers are being dropped by an agent and refused by publishers right now because of Amazon move. Time is running out. But hurt Rick Wilson. 
everything you say is correct. I work in publishing for 25 years, and if Amazon refused to carry a book, the project dies on the vine. I have a good friend. He made some of our graphics. His picture was hung on the wall back there. It's in our closing, and I won't talk about his books. Because I don't want to hurt him. What if somebody does find this podcast and they're offended? Granted, maybe 25 people listen right now. Sometimes 50. Sometimes I get 100. But rarely do I get a lot of people. But what if somebody did get it? And then I pull his books, which are right here on the floor next to me. One of the characters is kind of like me back when I was salty. He doesn't get sold because that's what they're doing. New York Times journalist who warned about Clubhouse says this. Unsurprisingly, people in the room insist they never occurred. Taylor is another pretty professional tattletale masquerading as a journalist. Reports would be regarded with the highest degree of skepticism. Is New York Times determined that guys are all symbols of respectability? Smear and delete. Is this what happens to retractions these days? I wonder if they're updating the handbook. And basically, it came down to he had a petty fight with somebody, which is why he went to it. Yeah, that's good shit. School board member. La Mesa, California trustee Bell Fontanao goes off on fellow board member, one of who's Hispanic, saying returning to in-person learning is a very white supremacist ideology, telling them to check their privilege and that mandating in-person instruction is fucking slavery. Now, nah, fuck it. Let's play it. They want to come back to school. So this is what we're homeschool. That's all I'm saying. I would just homeschool. And understand, these same people are canceling everybody. Well, let's play this. Understand, canceling people's opinion has been around a long time. Chuck Todd got lauded because he canceled. The science is settled. We will not have anybody on here that talks about that we don't need to do the Green New Deal for climate change because they're just flat earthers. Here is Brian Seltzer from 2014. Welcome back to Reliable Sources. I'm Brian Seltzer. Let's begin with an important journalistic statement, and it's something I mentioned in the last segment. Some stories don't have two sides. Some stories are simply true. There's no necessity to give equal time to the quote-unquote other side. One of these is climate change. Depending on which study or which expert you consult, between 95 and 97% of scientists agree that climate change is happening now, that it's damaging the planet, and that it's man-made. That seems pretty definitive, right? So why does television news too often feel compelled to stage debates between those who represent the 97% and those who represent the fringe? 
That fucktwat started out as a guy who did podcasts on Fox News. That's how he got his job. But we're not going to talk about this. Lefty Twitter showers racist, sexist abuse on Washington Post reporter for hurting Tandon. Sen Mon- Sung Min Kim showing Murkowski an old Tandon tweet targeting her. High on my own supply. That's interesting. And then they show all the things they say about her because she was a journalist and she asked a question, did you know Tannen said this? And she didn't. And because she asked the question, they were afraid Mikarski wouldn't vote for her. So then they called her sexist, racist shit because she's oriental. There was no Twitter problem with that. There was no bannings. And I close on this article that is so fucking America right now. We start with all the fucking hate that these people believe this. We're the problem. Anybody who voted for Trump agrees with Trump. White nationalism. All this fucking shit. They believe it 100%. Totally believe it. FBI investigates Lady Gaga dog napping was political after Biden inauguration. Now, you and I get our dog stolen, the FBI is not coming in. Now, granted, they probably came in because the motherfucker got shot. But you're not getting the FBI. And then when we do all of it after they've done their articles and everybody's talked about, oh, it's horrible and it was probably mega, it was a black guy. That was the description all along. The description of the person who did the dog napping was a black person. But we got to score points. I mean, why have objective truth? Yeah, I'm sure some mega guy goes, yeah, that bitch helped Biden get elected. I'm going to go steal her dog. She's always been a liberal. It's like saying somebody's going to go attack Bruce Springsteen. He's been sucking at the cock of the left for his whole life. That's how he doesn't get in trouble for DUIs. That's how his DUIs get buried. I mean, come the fuck on. So, to end on a positive, I found another stupid thing. It seems like I'm being conceited today playing old shit, but this wasn't my idea. It was given to me by a guy in Cav, and I wanted to play it because it's only... uh, a few seconds. It's really got us in a lot of trouble. And this was in 2012, I believe. As commander of fashion for the North American Strategic Command in Papua New Guinea, I oversee all the fashion decisions for the military. We've looked at lots of uniforms, and not all of them have worked. For instance, pleats, while very stylish, are not very tactical. And we've also looked at sequins, which are very nice. But they give your position away. This new TRU Extreme uniform is amazing. The Extreme Molly webbing allows for unlimited accessories, and I love accessorizing. The possibilities are endless. After a few more weeks of testing, I hope all my little soldiers in Afghanistan will be wearing this new uniform. Jazz hands.
<laughs> yeah, you couldn't do that now. That was actually a company. The internet campaign would be just some funny shit they put out on Twitter and Facebook. People would laugh. Next podcast, I'll play the beer back. I think I played the audio once on the show, but the video's hilarious. And they green screened me and everything. I mean, it's really funny. I only got it because I was loud. But the point is, half the shit we just did less than a decade ago, you'd get canceled. The company would get canceled for that shit. It wouldn't fly. But we did it then. So, this wraps up a very long episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Please share this with your family and friends. Go to foppodcast.com to get the audio video. If you're a purist, go to SoundCloud, Pocket Cast, Downcast, and Podcast Addict, my favorite. Remember, disconnect from all your vices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. Our next show, um, I'm thinking we're going to go regular old Wednesday. 3 March, year of our Lord, 2021. I hope you enjoyed some of the look back. Some old stuff seems conceited, giving away my real name. Ah, eh, fuck it. I I wanted to look back and play some old shit, so I did it. Um, hope at least it was entertaining. And I, I'm sorry for the bog down during the hate. Something went wrong and I got all discombobulated, but I think we got it back on track. Trying to get back to the old format where you play a bumper, do a couple stories, make it fast-paced, move on, and bring some of the fun shit from back in the day. So we're going to start trying to do that and make it a lot less length-wise. As always, thanks for listening, and you all take care.